the Cafe Media Network. You are listening to the Digcast with Cafe's Carl Diggler, brought to you by a 30-year veteran pundit. News. Family court. The discourse. Fatherhood. Digcast. Good morning, digheads. As everyone nurses their Michelob and orange juice hangovers from the final presidential debate, I'm here to cut through the fog and give you the real analysis with my millennial assistant, as always, Virgil, Texas. Drinking Michelob to cure a hangover. You have a little bit of the hair of the dog that bit you with just a right amount of some warm pulp. Ugh. Oh, it's warm. Yeah, no, that's uh something about heating up the orange juice gives you the right amount of uh, potassium intake and activation for the electrolytes to go into your bloodstream and uh, cure some of the effects of the hangover. Yeah, I did. Did all journalists drink this much? Like I, I, I haven't really seen that happening. I haven't read about that since you know the 70s well yeah no i mean you know one of the last professions in america where guys can be guys uh gals can be gals and uh a good time is not yet outlawed it's journalism it's journalism okay so i don't know you know i have friends who are journalists i don't i mean i also work in the journalism field i you know i studied um i studied uh, policy administration and sociology at um, Brown, I would not really call what you do journalism. Yeah, neither would neither would I. I yeah, uh, you're not exactly in the locker room of journalism, yeah. the real men locker room, not the Donald Trump one. Of uh, what? What's the distinction? No, real men in the locker room talk about real stuff, uh, fatherhood, sort of new open-toed fashion styles, uh, being a feminist and being a father. But also guy stuff, you know, scotch, uh, cars. Deficit reform. Deficit reform. Yeah, guy stuff, I, I know. I... Real men don't use the locker room to disrespect women. Okay, okay. Well, that's brave of you, I suppose. But why don't we get into it? The uh, 10 biggest moments of the debate and your analysis of the winners and losers. Let's do it. was the third and final presidential debate in, debate in Nevada, in Las Vegas, in fact. Uh, moderator was Fox News' Chris Wallace. Alpha male. And boy, did he show it. That tonight. guy, that guy is an alpha male. Oh my God, did you see him? Yeah, he was uh, trying to interrupt people, lecturing the audience. I don't see how that's, this was a good... Uh, performance by him he just seemed like a seems like a, a like a nag unapologetically alpha you know when trump would talk him down he would just give that uh knowing newsman smirk and go huh uh, it appears that you in while on route to prove your point you proved mine i mean, i just don't see why you know you've got to interrupt the candidates so much like just let them talk about their crazy things that's what we're all here for 
candidates come and go. Moderators stay forever. And the way that Wallace kept steering the conversation back to what matters, back to the deficit, showed he is a real newsman. So I had to look up who Chris Wallace was. And uh, apparently his dad was uh, Mike Wallace, this guy on 60 Minutes. And uh, his for the first 14 years of his life, uh, his father, Mike, uh, left him. And he was raised by his stepfather, which was, this is interesting to me, which was another CBS journalist. Yeah, so he was kind of, uh, you know, Vlad the Impaler was actually brought up in Turk captivity. And this is sort of a similar situation where you see, very obviously, he was the heir to the throne of Mike Wallace, but he had to sort of kick around other environments as a kid, and it gave him what we see today, his full, fully well-rounded news persona. Well, he's a conqueror of truth. Well, rounded, like, rounded is interesting because it's like I, I, I kind of thought it was, it was more, more like you and your story, where you know your wife left you for another uh, journalist. Another journalist ruined my life. Uh, didn't you know? Marriage sort of fell apart. You know, I guess if anything, uh, you know, it shows that we you can fall too hard, too quick. That uh, you can burn out the bulb of love and not budget the love for the entire duration of the marriage because those flames of passion just hit a ceiling too quickly. Well, yeah, so that's that's Chris Wallace. I don't know. Maybe your son will be like Chris. One could only hope. Okay. Uh, well, let's get into it. Here are the, uh, the 10 biggest moments. And uh, number one, uh, this came very early on. Trump came on stage and he was very uh, subdued at the start, like he just woke up from a nap. Yes, I noticed this. And it appeared, if you heard Trump's voice, he actually sounded as if there was a coating on his throat, almost as if he was drinking the popular concoction, lean. The lean, the um, it's like cough syrup. I don't think he was drinking lean. Purple drink, grip and sip. It seemed like he was drinking lean. I don't, okay. But if he was, it was laced, or followed rather, by a speedball, because Donnie White came back. We saw, I, I think, the first like kind of interesting thing he said or did, came about 10 minutes in, when uh, the discussion was about the Supreme Court, and he laid into Ruth Gator, or, sorry, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, who uh, publicly, uh, publicly uh, criticized Trump. Ooh, uh, I just got, you know, we were talking about hangovers earlier. Well, Donald Trump is in for a real hangover when he gets the feminist clapback of the year from notorious RBG. The 10, uh, the 10 judicial commandments. Like the tumbler. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have this is the crown on her head and she sounds like uh, one of the. It's funny. Do you get the joke? Because she's what she is is she's an eighty-year-old woman, eighty-year-old Jewish. But woman. it's implied that she is sort of like an inner-city dweller. Um, that's uh, that's a euphemism for what? No, um, it's a notorious big yeah, rapper also, from the ghetto. Like, it's also dialogue that's filtered through, a, like a just a, a different different middle-aged white women writing this middle-aged white women were incredibly important in the genesis of rap but you know i digress i think you know it's it's pretty pretty damn good pretty damn good stuff the, the tumblr with like the pictures of ruth bader ginsburg and she's like in game of thrones or something it's hilarious yeah no because she's like she's doing the rap poses from the video 
and you're like, oh, is that uh, is that Snoop Dogg? Oh, no, it's not. It's Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Wow. Uh, did not expect that juxtaposition. You must you must so really like the the Joe Biden like a boss stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, this is so good. Where it's like, the sunglasses go on yeah, and wear sunglasses. Yeah, I made a few of them. Uh, I might. You, you, you made a Joe Biden like a boss memes. It's okay. So this one, you look at this one. It's uh, his sunglasses are going on, and it goes uh, ad hominem deduct ten points. Uh. Like a boss. Ugh. Okay, so uh, Trump versus Ruth Bader Ginsburg, winners and losers. Uh, Trump, big loser on this one. Uh, because he's he's going to get clapped back at by RBG. And uh, the winner is anyone who likes side-eye, shade, anything like that. Because you are going to be seeing those in spades when Ruth Bader Ginsburg puts the beam on him all right number two uh hillary was being criticized for something rather bad thing she did i can't really remember it something in the wikileaks emails a lie she told some nonsense like that and uh hillary uh pointed out that 17 intelligence agencies say russia is behind the podesta hack and trump replied trump got uh, trump got really wound up by that and he replied putin is not my best friend Okay, so I think uh, what we saw from Trump is trying to nag Putin. It's like the pickup artist. Yes. Okay. And uh, by showing that he is more disconnected from Putin and maybe admires other sort of autocratic rulers more, you know, people like uh, Sheikh Altani of Qatar— uh, King Salman of Saudi Arabia, maybe uh, Duterte in the Philippines. Uh, he is increasing what is called the SMV, his sexual market value. He's trying to have sex with Putin. I mean, not necessarily, but statecraft is a lot sort of like Lovecraft in sometimes, and you have to create a distance for them to come to you. Okay, uh, that's one preview of Trump's foreign policy. He also, uh, uh, Trump also, uh, Quoted from the uh, from the WikiLeaks, and also laid into laid into John Podesta and said to Hillary, you know, Podesta, he, you know, he said a lot of nasty things about you. Yeah, uh, this was a great move by Trump. It's a very smart move to get Podesta's boss mad at him. Dude, just just trying to ruin like Podesta's career. Yes, just trying to make him sweat. I mean, I guess that, I mean, I could I can see that point. Let's drive a wedge. And look, I mean. Hillary's Hillary's favorable and favorable meter it's sort of the unfavorables have gone a little bit down while the favorables have gone a little up I mean she's still widely disliked but the feeling you get from most people is that they sort of see Hillary's inner circle as a revolting cabal of petty freaks with bizarre interpersonal grudges who are completely out of touch with humanity this is of course incorrect but uh this is how people see it so maybe trump is realizing strong move is not necessarily to go after hillary clinton but to go after everyone that surrounds hillary clinton potentially yeah that's not a not a bad so who are the winners and losers in that one uh winner i would say uh huh you know what i'm gonna say mark penn because mark penn would be on tap to replace john podesta 
The loser would be Donald Trump because a Mark Penn run Hillary campaign, he would lose in a landslide. Mark Penn's the guy who lost lost 2008 for Hillary. He was ahead of his time. I don't see how, but okay. Okay. I mean, he. I'm sure if those emails had ever come out, like the, that campaign would have looked so so much worse in comparison. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like uh, saying that the Wright brothers would look bad if you saw their first designs for an airplane. Well, I remember like all the Obama people, like they came out afterwards, all the Obama staffers, and was like, you know, when we found out what they were doing, we're like, do they even know how the primaries work? They didn't understand the delegate allegation. That strategy. That strategy. If you make your opponent uh wonder if you're a competent human being or not you uh you you sort of create an atmosphere of confusion and through the fog of war you pounce by you so it's winning by losing winning by losing uh, all right success by failure all right uh moving on number three on our list uh abortion there was a there was a a long discussion about abortion and uh, Hillary uh, said, you know, she's going to defend Roe v. Wade. She's very pro-choice. Uh, Trump replied with a graphic uh, depiction of what he said would be a late-term abortion, saying, quote, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb multiple times. Winner of this one were uh, Trump picking up all the excess Fiorina voters. Now, if you remember Carly Fiorina's primary bid, she briefly excited voters uh with her graphic depiction of child murder. And it started, you know, she had great debate performance, but, you know, just maybe like uh, too much too soon and it got voters too excited and they sort of petered out on Fiorina mania. But that's a large, large minority of voters who were attracted to Fiorina's crush fetishism, uh, snuff, gore, films. snuff films, gore porn, and rotten.com. Exactly. The rotten.com voters. And by Trump pivoting to go, uh, you know, talk about like, say, oh, you know, they, they take these kids and they put them in a blender and they make the moms drink it. He could pick up crucial voters to uh, reify his slight lead in places that should be safe. That's like Georgia. While also making inroads to suburban uh, gore moms, snuff dads, uh, perverts, perverts, yeah. sickos, and sex maniacs. Hmm. Oh, I mean, that's yeah, that's definitely one way of putting it. It's, it's just interesting to me that you know he's talking about abortion in these graphic terms, and you know, this he's not like a he's not like a right wing guy. He's not like someone who protests an abortion. He's probably paid for something. He's probably paid for hundreds of abortions. Yeah, so but, I, yeah. He, and I'm pretty sure he's on the record, like, even last year, just saying, I, I don't give a shit. Right. Uh, well, you know, Robert Byrd used to be a Klan member. People change. Okay, so winners and losers? Winner, I am I am going to say break.com. Mm-hmm. Loser, I am going to say net nanny. Net nanny, okay. Uh, Alright, moving on. Number four, uh, of course, the uh, Access Hollywood tapes uh came up again and uh trump said nobody has more respect for women than me followed by the audience laughing uh against chris wallace's wishes and then trump said these stories have been debunked i'm I'm not familiar with these stories being debunked no not nine women who uh came forward to accuse him of sexual assault not debunked uh but trump is sort of trump's ace in the pocket when you think you have him cornered he immediately starts gaslighting you and telling you that things that did happen didn't happen and things that didn't happen did happen or are happening or are happening right right in front of you even if you can't see them like a like a 
lifetime movie husbands. Yes, yes. Like in those movies where you know you say like the the husband character is he's been gone for two days. His wife comes back, says, "Why is there lipstick on your collar? Why have you been gone for two days? Uh, why is why is there a condom falling out of your pocket?" Mm-hmm. He will turn back to her and go, "Oh, I uh, had jury duty." And it works and it doesn't work with everybody, but it can work with a like sort of the lower think of all the Trump voters that aren't it's not legal to execute them in many states. Mm-hmm. It's reifying the sport among them and among undecided voters who you know studies do show around eighty five IQ range, very easy right. to gaslight. Uh, you know, I- it's like Tip O'Neill said, people will do things for you, you just have to ask. You can gaslight people, but you just have to try. Well, you know, based on the uh, response from the audience, which was uh, laughter, uh, it's probably going to be tough for him to convince most people that his, you know, cockamamie excuses are correct. I think they were laughing. Uh, I don't, you know, more seasoned watchers notice this, but Chris Wallace made a very, uh, very wry newsman's frown mm-hmm. at that, and they were sort of laughing at. Uh, He's kind of like a uh, Jeff Daniels character in Newsroom. Oh, so winners and losers. Uh, winners, I am. Uh, all right, you know what? I am actually going to say uh, Donald Trump here was the winner. Hmm. Okay, loser. He got out of a tough situation by producing laughter and uh, not not budging when yep. totally obfuscating the truth. The loser. I am going to say undecided voters who, after realizing that they have been gaslit, are going to write a paste bin warning people against abuser Donald Trump mm-hmm. that no one will read because the election is done. Right, right. Uh, all right, uh, moving on, number five. Uh, this was the battle of the foundations. Trump laid into the – first off, Trump laid into the Clinton Foundation for taking money from Saudis and for their record in Haiti. <sighs> the loser here was – the billions of people worldwide who the Clinton Foundation has saved. That's, they've saved billions of people. Tens of billions of people have been saved by the Clinton There's Foundation. There's not tens of billions of people. Well, they, I mean, you know, tens of billions of people have lived on the earth, and the Clinton Foundation has been around for, you know, 15-plus years, and you factor I, in all the people that died, and all the people that will live because of them, that's tens of billions of people. Wow. What I don't—well— uh, Clinton's response to that was we helped like 10 million people get AIDS medication, something like that. Yeah, no, they cured HIV. In they did Haiti. not. They, they did gave, not uh, they partnered with Akon to give electricity to 3 billion Africans. So it's certainly a shame that they, uh, this became such a focus point. And Hillary, I thought she did deflect well by bringing up how the Clinton Foundation was exonerated from wrongdoing by very non-biased charity rating agencies such as the King Solomon Institute for Public Beheading. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I don't know, I mean, you know, hopefully the Clinton Foundation will keep its doors open. They show no signs of stopping. So, but uh, it definitely put a stigma on it, and it will definitely get in the way of the Clinton Foundation's plans to uh, teach JavaScript to people in South Sudan. Uh, well, this dovetails to number six. Clinton laid into the Trump Foundation. Uh, Wallace pointed out that the uh, foundation's money was used to settle uh, various fines and lawsuits. And Trump said these fines went to building houses for disabled vets and uh, something about putting a flag up. I I think that was the primary thing they did is a flag. You notice what Trump did there? It was brilliant. I mean, OK. 
Let's look at one of the sort of battleground states. We got Iowa. Mm-hmm. What's people's favorite thing to do in Iowa? I don't know. Get DUIs. I don't think that's their favorite. That is their favorite thing to do. And they always are having to exonerate themselves from DUIs to explain to their wives, their common law wives, to their uh, uh, living on and off, and again, girlfriends, the mothers of their parents, their half-cousins. They have to go, well, you may think I'm a bad guy because I got a DUI, but the fine I paid bought a playground. So I'm technically a philanthropist. So Trump, by paying the fine, and it went to some charity that... uh, I don't know, makes uh, houses for guys. I don't know, really. I don't know really what it does. But, he, you know, he I don't know what turns a negative into a positive. And these people love that love that stuff. Well, uh, Clinton said that the Trump Foundation spent money on a six-foot portrait of Trump. Well, uh, I think that actually hurt Clinton. How so? Well, she's supposed to be the self-esteem candidate for young wo- women, but I mean, what is more uh, more of an act of radical self-love than that? And that sort of humanizes Trump a little bit. I guess so. I guess. Well, it's just interesting because, like, in Clinton's defense of the of the Clinton Foundation, it's like you know we did all this stuff in Haiti, and uh, Trump's defense was we we put up a flag. I don't I don't know what this flag means. Is this something you're familiar with? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Donald Trump, for all his faults, is a very enthusiastic supporter of Flag Day, which pretty cool stuff. This is like a this is like a, ch- a charity Lionel Hutz would have. Unfamiliar with that person. Okay, so uh, in the Battle of the Foundations, who are the winners and losers? Losers are the seven billion people the Clinton Foundation was going to save this year before people unfairly targeted it. Whereas the winners are enthusiasts of Flag Day everywhere. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, we are moving on. Number seven. Uh, this was a big one. A lot of a lot of commentators were shocked about this one. Trump said when he was asked point blank that he will not accept the result of the election if he loses. He would not commit to that. And uh, after the debate, he uh, clarified and said, like, yeah, if, if I lose, you know, I, I will. I cannot guarantee I'll accept it. Winner here, General Michael Flynn, who would be the military governor for a rump state that Trump would carve out out of the uh, dilapidated hell holes where he would be able to uh, be sort of the uh, president, the usurper king. Staten Island. Yeah, Staten Island, some of the more racist parts of Long Island, much of the former Confederacy. And the worst towns in Iowa. These would be places where Michael Flynn would have an extraordinary amount of military power, unparalleled. Well, do uh, do you do you believe there's going to be violence uh, on election day or afterwards? I do, I do. I mean, yeah, I've been I've been the victim of violence this entire year. I see what's coming. What violence was committed against you? People sent me the frogs. And the... The, I mean, I that's oh. I mean, like, you know, gun violence or bombing, that sort of thing. Is there a difference? I, One I, always portends the other. Okay. So winners and losers, uh, potential uh, potential violence. Potential God King Michael Flynn. Uh, losers, hate to say it, but uh, anyone, anyone from the darker ethnic white persuasions on down, it's going to be a loser here. Okay. Uh, that makes sense to me. Number eight, Trump implied taking back Mosul, the city of Mosul from ISIS in Iraq, would only help Iran. So he's opposed to taking back Mosul. 
winner here, first time in a long time, they haven't won anything pretty that big since about 2014, Islamic State. Oh, no, not again. Look, don't agree with them. Don't agree with them. But you got to admit, uh, Trump is angling that he'd be able to make a deal with ISIS, unlike with Iran. And it's ISIS. Look, ISIS is in a position now where they can pivot towards being a legitimate state. And, uh, hey, look, just like Nixon, you know, a lot of people didn't like Nixon, but you have to admire his ability as a canny political operate, operator. Same thing about the Islamic State. So you can state. pivot like a, like a startup would pivot. Yes, why can't we just work with Iran? What? I I don't. Why can't we just work with Iran? I don't see why. Iran we... is the biggest sponsor of terrorism in the entire world. Well, I don't. I don't think that sentence means anything. Is the thing Iran sponsors more terrorists uh, than anyone in the world with their agents with you know the Iranian just all over the place. You know what about the Sauds or the Russians or us? No, no, that's just, that's ridiculous. There is, look, Iranians were complicit in September 11th. No, they were not. Complicit in Pearl Harbor. They, that's not true. Complicit in the Battle of Bull Run. I don't know what that even is supposed to be. Everywhere you look, there is an Iranian fingerprint on it. I, I just, what do you know about Iran? Big thing that people get mixed up is that they think it's the same country as Iraq, but it's not. It's a different place. It's uh, how, a, how, they, a, how a child might mix those things up, but I don't, not this anyone can mix that up. I'm mean, just saying that's like a very baseline level of knowledge one would be expected to have. The average Iranian male can forego sleep for two months. That's not being powered solely by his resentment of the West and hatred of Americans. Uh, they need, they can actually go their entire lives without drinking water. They can synthesize water from the sand when they eat it. That's, they're almost more insect like than, you know, this is basic we're gonna, stuff. We're going to get letters. We're going to get, it's, it's going to be another rusty thing. Looks like someone has not been reading his Eli Lake. Who are the winners and losers of, uh, the candidates' positions on Mosul and ISIS? ISIS. As I said, the winner, the loser, residents of Mosul who are not enthusiastic about living in a caliphate. Number nine. Um, this is the one that spawned a whole bunch of memes or some bullshit. Uh, oh, baby. Uh, what a nasty woman. Winner here was men. Well, women and men who like it when the girls are nasty, when they... Not nasty meaning is in filthy, but nasty is in, you know, like take charge, speak up, lean in, maybe handcuff middle-aged guy to a radiator and whip him. Nasty like in a like in a, a, a color me bad sense. Yeah, but also feminist. Like feminist stuff like maybe you see a journalist at the bar and you go, I'm not going to wait to talk to him. I'm just going to go up to him. I'm going to straddle the chair in front of him and I'm going to take his belt and tie it around his neck, tell him that he's bad. What what kind of bars are you going to? Yeah, you know, just like uh like Hotbird, places like that. Hotbird. I I don't know. I mean it sounds like a lot like the uh dive bar that Ivanka Trump and Jonah Peretti were at. Certain uh different people got different tastes where uh for some reason uh apropov nothing i assume she told him that she'd never seen a mulatto penis 
I had to clean that up a little bit. I can I I have to go to the bathroom for five minutes. Don't can you don't oh God. I can wait till what? Don't just just wait. We're almost done. We're almost done with this. So I know because I've been counting the minutes. All right. I don't. All right. So nasty is a good thing. It's, it's a great thing for uh, feminists and men who uh, are also feminists. I mean, I don't. You know, I, the I, losers are the trash boys. The trash boys. Yeah, they got some major shade thrown at them. Like your, like what your ex would say. Yeah, your ex queen, yeah, queen yeah. trash yeah. bitch. Clap back. Yeah, well, she was. Well, she was nasty. I think nasty in the, was, in the other way. Yeah, I think nasty in was in her way. screen name. She called herself trash. It's sort of like a confluence of these things. Like you, uh, it's like good to be bad. Like you're, you sort of take it back. You're like, I'm garbage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful garbage, sparkly emoji. I mean, I'm not really an expert on f- feminism like you are, so I just have to. Maybe take one your day you'll learn. All right, uh, number ten. We are going out on. Oh my god, going out on a bang for you. Uh, several of the questions tonight were about the national debt, which Wallace says is at 77% of the economy against the GDP. It says Medicare is going insolvent in 10 years, Social Security. So they talked about the deficit and the debt. Winner was children, all our children. Why? You know, we, we there are a lot of things we can't protect our kids from. They're going to try drugs. They're going to experiment with sex. They might even join gangs. Like the fat clowns. One could only hope. They may be victims of flash mobs, the knockout game. They, they could overdose. They could, you know, anything. Uh, they could be in a gutter. There is one thing that we can protect them for, and it's the onerous obligation of public debt. And I used to, you know, when Colby was first born, I used to just sort of rock him in my knee and look him in the eye. I could tell he was thinking, are you going to, are you, are dad, are you going to keep the deficit from, from being more than 15% of the gross national product? And I told him yes, but I didn't know if I could, but, I'm sorry, he was just born, and you presumed he was thinking this. It's the first thing you look at. It's the first thing you think about when you see your kid for the first time. He's now the meaning of your life. He's the round center of your life. And you just don't want to fail him. You just don't want him to live in that specter of the debt. The debt. I don't think Medicare and Social Security are going insolvent. I don't think that's true. If, look, if they even threatened national debt millions of fathers would take the hatchet to them ourselves luckily we may not have to do that because hillary hillary as a mother knows what it's like to worry about their kids and their debt the debt not about whether or not they'll have access to uh, a social safety net or you know serious uh federal spending necessary look to... if you can't afford health insurance you can it's not easy but you can get it you can drive for Uber or uh, uh, become an indentured servant in Qatar, but if you're if your leaders fail you and you're saddled with the national debt, there is not a whole hell of a lot you can do. 
and I'd rather have problems we can fix rather than ones that will doom us forever. You know, a lot of a lot of people my age have personal debt. That's a more pressing crisis. Those are two totally different things. Personal debt. Personal debt is like sort of like the scar you carry through entrepreneurship and success. You know, I, I'm in I'm in loads of personal debt. It's, it's not worry me. Uh, there are all these solutions you can come up with personal debt, whether it's wage garnishment or organ sales. These aren't solutions. These are punishments. Solutions are often mischaracterized as punishments when really they're sort of a gift. But public debt, it's just one of those things that uh, you can't do a damn thing about except for prevent it. It's like cancer in that way. Prevention is mostly the cure. <sighs> All right, well, final one. Winners and losers of this debt discussion. As I said, the winners are all our children and all, all our children, all the fathers in the nation. The losers are those who would like to see America fall. Meaning? Entities like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Russia, Iran. They want to see us go under. And part of the reason they leaked these emails to try to influence the election is because they knew... It's not nuclear weapons or uh, dirty bombs or mass shootings that could take down America. It's the debt. And they want to, They are afraid of Hillary Clinton fighting the debt and making America stronger than ever. Okay. There you have it. The third presidential debate. Well done, Carl. Thank you. Uh, that about does it for the show. And we get closer to the election. We'll be discussing more about Carl's predictions. By the way, Carl, congratulations. Your last... Your last uh, state of the race electoral map was a full week ahead of the polls. Uh, you called Evan McMullen's lead now in Utah, in addition to a close race in Texas, whereas Nate Silver's models have not yet even caught up. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Nate Silver is surrounded by all his fears. Uh, yep. Okay. Michelob is the king of beers. Okay. Please rate and subscribe to the Digcast on iTunes. Thanks, everyone. Bye.